was young when I met you from the jump Never scared of being honest, where's the fun? And lying to you, baby, I would rather run Than let you down because I knew you were the one You're too good, you see You got me rolling on the ground the way you look at me And I've been trying to take you out just like I do in my dreams Baby girl, no baby girl, let me know In the drug talk, we would just get high Man, it's been a crazy week. I mean, Fintwit going absolutely off. Um, I mean, we don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about that, but it got brazy. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, I don't usually know. say this phrase, off the chain. I might pull that one out of, my, <laughs> out of my little belt right there. It's been off the chain. Off the chain. <laughs> <laughs> it has been. Dude, I, mean, I don't know. I mean... Here's the thing. I didn't even know about what was going on until like people in in Discord started saying stuff. Um, I like I don't like follow anybody like to see that. Like I I didn't follow Zach or anything. But dude, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like I, I, it's hard to it's hard to comment. Like you know, it's hard to comment on things. But like. There's just some certain people that, like, we've known things about certain people. Like, obviously, it's not my place to ever say anything. I don't want to cause drama. I don't want to... That's It's not my place, and I have no desire to do that. But, like, things that we've known are, like, coming out about people. And it's, like, I mean, things we've known for a while. Like, But, again, in my opinion, it's not my place to talk about somebody else. Yeah. But you're finally getting to see, you know. True colors. Yeah. We've been, I mean, this is going to sound really like we like gossip and shit. We don't talk that much about Fintwit, but like we've been like knowing that there's some some bullshit, um, some clowns, some people who are acting like they are more than they are. Um, so for it all to just kind of come to a head and you know certain people getting exposed for whatever the fuck it is. um, it's kind of interesting. Like, it's kind of like, all right, well, there's kind of a writing of the ship some, to some point. I don't I don't condone the drama, of course. I try to keep my way out of it as much as I can. But it is sort of like a, like nature correcting itself. Like, these people don't deserve what they, what they have. So here's, you know, nature telling everyone all these things that uh, are negative about them that they've been, you know, hiding, trying to cover up, all that kind of stuff. So it's really interesting, but there's also a lot of bad that comes out of it. A lot of people, you know, just get shit on by hundreds and hundreds of people in comments, that kind of stuff. It's weird because, like, I I don't know. I mean, I personally always, like, Zach doesn't even know who the hell I am. But, like, I always personally, like, I always, like, respected Zach because, you know, you always have to, you always have to think of it. Like, put yourself in their shoes. The dude has how many hundreds of thousands of followers? that is not easy i don't care what you say you he can't you know he a lot of pressure he can't just go on twitter and put a play out like he may have been able to before because dude he knows like if he puts them out people are gonna buy it like instantly so like i know like just trying to put myself in his shoes like i always respected him like I, i i it can't be easy to do 
I mean, to have that many followers, but I don't know. I don't know where all this shit, like, I don't know why he decided now to, like, is he leaving Twitter? People. I don't know, honestly. He said that. Yeah, he said he's going to leave soon. Um, I mean, like, laid back. Laid back, is he still gone or did he come back? I think he's still gone. No um, idea. He left, and I think Zach might follow suit, basically just peace out because there's there's too much hate on those big guys for them um i don't know if it's warranted or if it's not i don't want to comment on that might get some people with their panties in a wad um i respect zach uh, i think he's done the most he can he's one of the ogs on on fintwit um, but yeah everything that he tweets is basically gonna get an artificial pump just because of how many followers he has and the reputation he has but the reputation got there because of how well he was doing for a certain period of time so people know that he has been profitable and has, you know, made people money. So that's why his reputation is all the way there. Um, you know, just get half a million followers by giving out shitty stock calls. Yeah. So I think he's just, I think he's gearing up just to trying to blow it up on the way out. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if, if it's because the markets in the state it is, you know, like, it's not a it's not a market where one you really can swing anything or two you could just you know it's also this is this like wraps into my point but like dude every couple months we have people that go around and they'll talk about TA oh TA doesn't TA doesn't it's just like you know overrated or that TA this and TA that and it's starting again i'm like dude i don't like, I don't understand, you know, like, why, like, TA in this market is a thing. Like, I can show you 10 charts today that played perfectly off supply and demand levels. It's not just some weird fluke, like, it works. I don't know. It's just, you have this weird group going around now that's like, oh, TA is overrated or, like, making fun of people that use TA, which, like, dude, you guys have fo- a bunch of followers, like, they're gonna like take what you say to heart and then they're gonna think ota is a joke well how the fuck are they gonna trade in this market what the fuck are they gonna do so yeah i mean it's the same thing with fundamentals like they might become a little less relevant for a few months and then people jump on it like fundamentals don't matter because during that covid run fundamentals really didn't matter like there were companies that weren't making any money that had market caps of like 20 billion um some crazy shit so like fundamentals didn't matter for a while, but now things are coming back to earth. And I think like a good way to kind of uh, explain that and show that that's actually happening is look how many acquisitions and buyouts we've been seeing on the pre-market gappers. I never used to see four or five buyouts on the pre-market gappers in one day, yeah. let alone like one or two, like every single day for the entire week. Other than that, like there's one big day and then, you know, a few every single day. We never saw that. So that tells you that, um, valuations are coming to earth and that bigger companies are willing to now you know spend their cash buying smaller companies because they think they're at fair value or um, somewhat of a discount so that shows fundamentals matter but yeah ta matters and anyone who says ta doesn't matter is a fucking idiot i only trade off ta like i don't really i don't you know like i literally only trade off ta i don't i just don't understand like even if you don't use ta like why that's the other thing like why say that just because 
like if I'm not a fundamental fundamental trader, I'm not gonna go and say, oh, fundamentals don't matter. One, they matter, and two, what is the point of doing that? Just like to hear yourself speak, I don't. You just want <laughs> some likes, like you want attention. Yeah, I don't. it's like it's like the people who come out and say the stupidest shit on like I don't know what it is like normal Twitter or not fintwit like fintwit they've been starting to do that like with that ta stuff but people will just say like these super unpopular opinions and then they'll just get like a million fucking like comments and stuff and everyone just like what the hell and it'll be a super popular tweet it feels like people are just chasing that attention sometimes by just these these stupid statements they say yeah i mean it is what it is um i don't want to you know i'm not here to like talk bad about anyone i just think that's kind of uh reckless you know people have uh yeah a lot of people have a lot of followers and uh, you're kind of leading people down the wrong path. But I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen like a bear flag and then I'll see other big traders being like, look at this curl. And then I'll be like, that's a bear flag. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it'll break down in two minutes and they'll be like, can't figure out why that knifed. Like <laughs> there must be market makers. Someone dumped on us. Like someone, there's a shorter attacking it. I'm like, dude, uh, that was a fucking typical bear flag with decreasing volume. Like, have you never seen that before? How do you have 70,000 followers on Twitter? Have you never seen that a fucking a pullback on a downtrend is a bear flag if it has decreasing volume, you know, and it usually lasts two to three candles on the five minute. No, these people are just fucking spouting out their ass. It's a curl. That's not a fucking curl, you idiot. That, yeah, that's like, I don't know. Again, not to talk on talk about anybody's business, but like, that's another re- like the people that would like coordinate shit on Twitter. You, they're not doing that, and now they're just like in this weird conundrum of, oh, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, like I mean, seriously, I don't know. Yeah, it's they're just they're over here trading against head and shoulders. I saw that today. Actually, I saw these someone post a trade, and I went and they posted the one minute chart. And it just looked like maybe like some consolidation and then maybe like a bit of a, a move upwards. And I go and look at the five minute and there is a clear as day head and shoulders, like picture perfect. Yep. Textbook, absolutely textbook. And then I was like, like what? Like, okay, I would definitely go short on that. And it was like a mid cap. It was like, I think the stock was like 35 bucks and you know, it was a mid cap. Yep. It was kind of a lower float. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, died back to the, the open levels. Um, yeah. That's the kind of shit that I can't stand is those those moments where it's so obvious what's going on. But traders are inept to those those things because they have not been trained enough themselves and or didn't go through the process of having to become a good trader because they started during a hot time and just, you know, gained their following super quick. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I think we have uh, a lot of questions, though, to get into. Oh, yeah, I, don't know I'm if, them up. I don't know if you want to start or <laughs> well first what are you drinking i saw you had something over there i got and you're gonna be upset because you can't for whatever reason find I can't these get victory oh man dude. Is i don't it understand good? that oh my god it's so good i saw somebody drinking this on twitter the other day was it alex trades oh that's who it was yeah i i saw him drinking the same thing and it looked fire you guys only get victory on the east coast that's My so superstore gets one shipment a year. Yeah, Alex is on the, on the East Coast. I forgot about that. Yeah. That makes sense. I got, it says that this is from Fargo, so I feel like it's from the Dakotas, middle of nowhere. But it's so this, Dude, that this, can super fire. 
it's called chonk but it's uh like an orange cat and it's the flavor is peaches and cream sundae sour that it's sounds pretty so good. good yeah and then let me show you the other one i'm gonna pop this one open later oh i have a bunch oh look at this too everybody Wait, this look one's... at that little mini fridge baby How, what percent alcohol is that one you have um let me look can't seem to find it oh um six yeah that's what this is yeah let me show you my my heavy hitter today so i got a bunch of recommendations to try this it's tank seven from boulevard i've never um, heard of that people said see it's from kansas city people said this is super good beer um it's it's like nine percent alcohol so that's probably gonna get me feeling later after i uh nine percent <laughs> it's gonna be it might be strong as fuck it's, I'm pro just it's probably gonna be yeah. like that's funny it's gonna taste like i'm drinking whiskey at the bottom <laughs> uh, all right so our first question um how long do you think it takes to become a consistent trader you can start on this one i have like this weird cliche answer that people you know if you follow me or you are uh, a part of my discord you know what i'm gonna say but um dude there's no like concrete answer like what am i gonna say like two years that's not you know that's just not that's not the real answer. The real answer, even though it's cliche, is the, the like whole, you know, it's just like a puzzle. And like, just think of like a huge, a big ass puzzle, you know, somebody, it's going to take me and you are not going to put that shit together at the same time. Yeah. You may put that shit together way faster than I am because there's so many different things the terminology first off if you don't understand the terminology you will not understand a th word that anybody's saying so you no, have to it, you know like somebody starts throwing out vwap you're like what the hell does that mean is that a ticker <laughs> and so like the terminology you know you have to know the terminology then you have to know literally how to get with a broker then you have mm -hmm. to learn the interface then you have to you don't even know how to buy a trade at first you're probably buying market you know like you don't you don't know yeah. there's so many little things and like nobody knows everything like people i learn something ev new every week every day there are so many things like it just depends on one how much time you put into it do you take it seriously do you do you have like a mentor you know are you taking what they say to heart are you following the wrong people yeah because you know people start and they start following the wrong people and then they're basically been following the wrong person for a year and they don't know what to do so man that's like such a hard answer because it literally depends like people have came on here and said it's taken them six years people have came on here and said it's taken them three years people have came on here and said it took them two like it just yeah i mean a lot of variants there I mean, I think I think it depends on how much time people put in because there's a lot of people who you know have full time jobs and it takes them a lot longer because they have no idea like you know if tomorrow they're gonna have any time to trade or any time to review videos, any time of anything. Um, so I think it really just depends on how much time you put into it, and then as well the the your willingness to learn the lessons because regardless what anyone says. Um, there's a large market tuition that everyone has to go through. And I think that's the turning point, in my opinion. Um, and the, the market tuition doesn't have to be money. It can be mentality. Like you have to go through a phase where 
Um, your mentality is absolute dog shit because, you know, you had the worst trading month of all time. You had, you know, 31 red days in a row, some crazy shit. I don't know. But you have to go through the low of the low and you have to figure out how to get out of the low of the low of trading. And then once you get out of that absolute bottom, um, where is there to go now? The only way to go up. And then there's a certain threshold where, you know, you've put in enough time, you have enough skills, you have enough, you know, commitment to it. Um, to where I think you're going to become more consistent and more profitable than you ever were. But some people don't get to that because they get to the low and they go, well, this fucking sucks. I'm done. Or they don't even get to the low. They get on their way to the low yeah. and they say, well, this, this fucking sucks. I'm done. So I think that that's the bounce off of that low, because I feel like everyone has, you know, a story from the beginning of their trading where, you know, they either lost a lot of money um, or they hated their life or they just couldn't figure it out and it was the most um frustrating thing that they'd done in their entire life so i think once you get past that you start putting the real skills together um, you allocate time to learning and then you actually take the learning really really seriously i think that's when you come uh, you become a consistent trader it's not how long um it's more of how much you're going to put into it and how much you know effort you're going to put into coming off of that low that you went through yeah and like i know we don't want to spend a whole lot of time on these questions because we I mean, there's a, quite a few questions, but um, the last thing I'll say too is like, you also have to find like what works for you. Yep. And that takes time. And then you if, then you find, you know, what what you like to trade. Well, okay. Then you have to find a strategy that applies to that. And then like people just, you know, especially people that got introduced to the market during COVID, they don't, you know, they weren't ready for this. They just, you know, you could just throw shit at a wall and make money. It, there was no, you know, Chop. it was basically a casino. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. It, like I said, it just varies. So it could it was take like a you casino 10 years. It was like 98% odds that you were going to win. Exactly. <laughs> you bought almost every stock and it just ran 20% every week. Um, do we just want to, should I just go? Should we go back yeah. and forth? Yeah, I'm, you run into the next one. Okay, I have a question um, from, shout out to Racer in my Discord. He wants to know how to get over bag holding, um, I guess in terms of like, you know, you take a position um, and then I guess, how do you cut something, you know, um, how do you like bring when? yourself, how do you uh, bring I, yourself I think how that? do you prevent it, you know, how do you prevent Yeah. How you prevent bag holding is you have levels mapped out before the trade. Um, you know your risk going into it. So if you know, well, let me go. Let me just pull up a chart here. So I'm trading Facebook uh, this this week, taking a little bit of a swing position. I'm in calls, me and my me and my Discord. But um, you definitely map out levels. That's the first thing. So if I'm on Facebook, I have the levels mapped out from um, two ten to 220 as a as a um, zone that it should bounce in based on resistance in January of 2020 and then July of 2018. So those are the two two levels I have mapped out. And so it's in that zone right now. So I took a swing on it. And so I know that my levels are 210 and 200. Um, so I got in at like 214 or something like that. So I have like an 8% downside. If it goes, if it breaks below 200, if it goes to, you know, 297, probably I'd give it a little bit of room. So 297, then I'm cutting it at minus 
that's how you prevent back holding in my opinion is you definitely know the levels before the trade and you stick to them you don't average down 25 times once it's below all those levels because if it goes below this level then i know that it's likely going to go all the way down to 150 because 150 is the next big level and then after that it's 125 which lines up with psych levels surprisingly well but regardless i know that of under one or 200 i mean so basically under 197 to give it a little wiggle room because sometimes those those candles wick um i would definitely definitely cut it and for confirmation on that the confirmation i would need would be a daily candle closing below uh that level and or you know a daily close and then a, a test of it again the next day and a fail so say it drops to 198 closes and then the next day it tests 200 and you know rejects and closes back down at 198 then boom i'm out and that that present that prevents bag holding in 99 percent of situations because if you got the levels mapped out you know exactly what you got to do if they fail you get out and the other thing i want to say is if you're bag holding cut that shit. that's fucking with your mentality and when i when i mentor people i tell them all the time like if you're bag holding a ton don't just sit there like you your money could be elsewhere making a ton more money if you just you know adjust strategies a bit say you're in this market you're trying to swing trade and you're back holding a massive um let's say you were in facebook and when it when it tanked um you're you're back holding a ton you're seeing that red negative 40 percent in your accounts that is not healthy you wake up every single day you open your account and you see negative 40 percent get that off there go you know try a new strategy learn something new because it's not a swing market regardless so learn something new um figure it out and just just get that off your head because that's a lot of weight to have in your head of a negative 40 percent probably thousands of dollars probably hundreds of dollars whatever it is it's a substantial amount to you that you're down so get that out of there and have key levels that's my answer yeah, I won't. I won't go too long with my answer. Um, you touched on a lot of great points, but I think um, position sizing. You know, if you take, if you take a, f if you put fifty percent of your account in something and it goes against you, you're not going to want to cut it because it's fifty percent of your account. So if you're not taking proper position sizing, you're screwed from the jump. Um, also, make sure you're buying near some kind of. You know, map your entry out beforehand, whether you're buying in buying near some sort of like historical support or a key support level because that way or you're buying in demand. It literally your your risk is defined. You're getting out underneath that level. So and, and you also have to think, say you're taking a swing on something and you love it, you know, you enter, but it goes against you. You can always get back in. It's it's, you know. You, you can't you, I think position sizing is so important you can't you dude you put five percent of your account some ten percent to start when you're new yeah uh, or less but that's in, that's my entire position right now in this market is five percent for options trades I have it right there up on yep. my wall five percent account max for options ten percent account max for commons regardless of what it is and those yep. those change from like month to month based on know what the market is right now but five percent for for maximum for options people think that's crazy when i tell them that in my discord i'm like if you guys have a thousand dollar account find find options that are 50 bucks play forward you know they have they have good prices play DraftKings, sofi all yeah these. exactly they have a bunch of it and those spreads aren't too bad liquidity like liquidity what the fuck is that <laughs> liquidity dude how could i not liquidity? remember that i yeah i almost said liquidy like that's like wow, this water is really liquidy <laughs> this option is really liquidy no but 
like find stuff that you can you can play and then once you get to the point where you can start to play you know spy where it's instead of fifty dollars it's a couple hundred bucks per contract then do that but yeah like you said position sizing is, yeah. is key as well yeah all right shout out to blake singleton for this question uh what are your favorite intraday setups you trade and what do you look for when trying to find day trades um favorite intraday setups are something that's interacting with the supply and demand level um again it's probably annoying i always talk about it on twitter whatever i don't care (laughs) you can play demand and so think of demand as support or buyers supply as resistance or sellers you can play those levels either way you can go long or short if something's entering demand or support and bounces you can go long if something something's entering demand or support and breaks down you can go short same thing for supply if something approaches supply is running and you see rejection you can go short if it breaks that you can you know so you can go long so that those that's my bread and butter i also like to play you know downtrend breaks um i played a nice downtrend break today on amd i like to play bullish formations bearish formations key level breaks but i have to like i'll wait until two o'clock to play something the other what was it friday i played qqq it it was at 2 p.m i entered the position it broke demand and i entered and right like a minute after i entered the news started circulating about the ukraine and russia shit it went like 400 percent. did i think it was going to go 400 percent? no i i entered based off technicals but that shit took until two o'clock yeah, you know, if I don't right if I don't like something, I'm not just gonna treat it. There's it does it's, it doesn't make sense. So yeah, I mean, Blake, a lot of my uh, almost everything I do is based off supply and demand in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, um, for me, I guess I kind of do supply and demand, but mine are just key levels. I just keep them up like from the day before and then make sure they align with the pre-market as well. So I just go within like a day and then the pre-market. So yesterday and then pre-market, I'll have the levels based on what has been bouncing. They're key levels. You do like zones, which is the supply and demand. I just do the lines. Um, a lot of the things I like to play are, you know, rejections off those key levels and or breakthroughs those key levels and then a retest of it. Um, so i'll play you know the breakouts if it breaks through a key level and then comes down test it and bounce upwards i'll uh i'll buy long same thing vice versa for the short side if it breaks through that support um and then retest it i'll go short i like i like bull flags and bear flags a lot uh decreasing volume on them because when that volume returns the balance from before is going to return because if it's higher volume and the bulls bulls have uh, power when the volume comes back the bulls are likely going to have power again so yeah flag continuations um i really like just candle setups like i like finding a place where there's a few dojis in a row or something finding some indecision and playing it based on that um i really like candle closes uh so i'll watch the last minute or two of five and ten minute candles and I really, really keep track on how they close them because you can usually see who has control in the last like minute, two minutes. Uh, you'll see them like fight it down or you'll see 
the the candle get pushed up but then just get stuffed back downwards every single time like every tick it'll it'll go one tick up two down one tick up two down like you'll just you'll keep noticing little things and then you'll archive them over time um for swing trading oh no these are intraday this guy blake said intraday um so i'll stick to intraday you know i really like finding head and shoulders where people you know don't see them i really like finding cup and handles that kind of stuff pennants all that kind of stuff um it's just a big thing is just having all those tools in your toolbox if you can have as many of as many chart patterns as you can you can remember in your head and then figure out which ones are working in the market at the time then you're going to be golden if you have something that you're mastered at like like tony is at supply and demand that's also something that um, is going to bid you well in the future for me i don't have like a bread and butter like you have those those supply and demand um oh shit i didn't even talk about nine ema dude oh yeah that's oh my one. goodness that's probably my favorite that's probably my favorite of all well. time yeah that's probably my favorite um nine ema is, is crazy if you see it get rejected off the nine ema uh to the to the downside then you can go go short um nine ema is crazy especially if there's a trend man you can just buy on that nine ema and watch it you know run mm -hmm. upwards or bounce further down I like 90 EMA if it crosses above or below VWAP, you know, you can get some momentum out of that move for some reason. I'm not sure what it is. I like VWAP or 90 EMA and 20 EMA, you know, if they cross, you know, you got some momentum, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that was a lot of stuff that I just said, but those are, <laughs> those are the, those are my setups that I look for. I guess if you don't know what I was talking about, you can use Google and or find some education from Tony and I, we put out a lot on Twitter. Yeah. No, um, those are all similar things I use. Uh, the next question I have, <laughs> um, tips for beginners learning to cook. <laughs> and I have to start on this one. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness. Um, don't skimp on pan. Don't skip on pan. That's the first. Don't skimp on knives and don't skimp on utensils that you're going to use while cooking. Nothing's worse than trying to whip something up and having like a shitty spatula mm -hmm. or, you know, or having a, a crappy. Spoon. Yeah, for real. Or having a crappy nonstick pan that the nonstick doesn't work anymore or trying to cook a, a steak on not a cast iron, something mm -hmm. like that. Like just invest in a nice cast iron pan. They're not even that expensive. Um, get decent utensils like don't just grab ones from like the shittiest place you can find 99 cent utensils grab decent ones uh knives knives are important tony has freaking baller knife um i'll cut somebody with that thing me hopefully <laughs> um and then the other thing is is uh if you're cooking i think for me personally fresh is always better when it comes to ingredients so if you're gonna be making like say you want like spinach ricotta something get fresh spinach don't get that frozen spinach uh, if you're making like beef stew don't get canned carrots don't get go get that that fresh stuff you can find um if you're making something italian get fresh basil all yeah. that kind of stuff if you're making something hispanic get fresh cilantro it makes all the difference fresh lime that kind of stuff not the canned lime juice whatever that is the squeezable lime juice i think that makes a ton of difference and then last point over spice 
like if you're if you're a person who's thought that you're bad at cooking you're likely not using enough spices like yeah. just just figure out what spices you like and then just just use a little more than you think like start with a little more than you think and then if you're like all right that wasn't too bad add a little more and then if it gets better then realize okay i can add a little more and then eventually you get to a point where you think you're adding way too much spices but it just makes it taste good and it's mm -hmm. like all right well i guess i've just been under under like spicing stuff seasoning forever. Yes. Under spicing. <laughs> under spicing. <laughs> Sometimes I just forget words. Man. Under under seasoning shit. Season That's your funny. stuff, peoples. Yeah, I mean, beginners learning to cook. I don't know. It's such that's such a hard question. I think one something people don't think about is like, you don't just you can't just crank the heat up. Say you're like cooking a piece of chicken. You don't just crank it to max because that shit is gonna cook super fast <laughs> yeah and it's gonna be very dry so like you need to be careful with the heat you use to everybody's oven is different you know like i could put something in at i could put a cake in at 375 yeah but my oven you know is way different than somebody else's if you put something in and you put it in for an allotted time but it's not done you just keep it in the oven don't just pull it out you know mm -hmm. so that and then yeah the utensils thing is important um but also man like watch youtube videos like get a recipe from youtube and like follow step by step but like actually follow step by step like you know yeah. measure everything out make sure it's right and then that kind of you'll just kind of i don't know you you'll see the technique they're doing too because like people like mixing stuff can like actually be technique if, if like it'll taste oh, yeah like, like if, you... yeah for real like if you're creaming butter into cookies you have to cream it you can't just mix it can't like you can't over... just melt the butter and dump it in and like you can't overbeat something and it, it like dude. so yeah those are those are my answers um yeah and like teddy said like uh, dude a pan you don't understand how how nice a, a nice like pan or pot is mm -hmm. until you have one like stop buying like a tj maxx or do you have tj maxx do you have more like it's don't... considered pretty shitty yeah don't buy like a five dollar tj maxx pan because it's like five dollars for a reason so yeah i agree dude my cast iron pan and i have a, rom a romantic relationship mm -hmm. i love that thing mm -hmm. i got it i actually picked it up at goodwill so Everyone is gonna like laugh at me because I just said don't buy shitty stuff. <laughs> but I found this like it's like a it's like a sixty dollar cast iron skillet, but I found it for they had it marked at like nine bucks because they obviously didn't know like what it Who was. Who takes that to was. a Goodwill? I don't know. It was brand new too. It had the sticker on it of like being brand new, and it's the best pan I've had. I've had it for like five years now, and yeah. I use it for every single thing. Like just. And it's never gone bad. It's never non non or like lost its stick on me. I haven't had to season it again. Shout out to uh, so my friend Anthony, who's in my Discord. He um, he's like a Michelin star chef. Like he Holy works shit. for. He used to be the head chef at like these Michelin star restaurants. Um, he's the one that sent me the uh the bag I sent to you. Remember the knife holder, the Louis Vuitton. Oh one? yeah yeah. And that, and he does that now, but he trades full time. Um, shout out to him. He's he'd have way better tips than me, but yeah, he'd probably he'd probably talk about some scallops or something. Mm -hmm. I always see like big chefs talk about scallops a lot. <laughs> like they're always like they're always like now you dice the scallops, and it's like Pan I don't have scallops. I don't I don't know where scallops are. I know they're tiny onions. All right. So when playing news, what are some keywords 
uh, or indicators that you use to either go long or automatically go short? You said when playing news. Yeah. Uh, I. I don't. I don't know if I have a, a good answer for this because. I think I actually saw this on on Twitter because I really don't play news, to be honest. Like, I play around news. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Kind of. So I'll play, like, if I know, um, if say I'm playing an earnings play, you know, I know when they're reporting. I have my thesis whether I think they're going to beat or not. Um, I'll play, a, so I guess... My answer is I'll play like around news. Um, I don't play, you know, I don't like to play news for options specifically. Um, I don't yeah. know. You know, I'm sure you have a better answer than that. But um, for me, it's because I still I still play some some gappers here and there for me. Um, there's a few things. If it's a buyout, it's not going to move because it just goes immediately to the buyout price and then doesn't move after that. Um, if it's a phase three or phase two trial, usually it moves pretty well. If it's a Padufa, usually it moves pretty well for bio. Phase one moves a little less. Um, being granted an NDA moves a little bit less. Uh, if they're granted money from the government, um, usually that moves pretty well. If someone, you know, from the inside takes a big position in the company, usually that moves pretty well. Um, if there's a price target from a shitty company, sometimes that moves crappy and sometimes it moves well. It just depends on how the market is reacting that day. It's kind of a toss up. Um, if it's an update that they already published, it might go down on that just because people don't like that and they you know, will sell it because that comes off as they're trying to pump the price up for something bad. Um, offering, run, S3 filing, run. Um, those are those are horrible. You know, CEO getting kicked out, resigning, all that kind of stuff. Usually yeah. pretty bad, but not. That's not the end of the world most of the time. Usually it's like minus five percent, that kind of thing. Um, I also have a list somewhere that I'll have to post on Twitter for this one, but. That's kind of the the main ones I have for that, and then we're gonna go we're gonna go pretty quick here. Um, can you guys talk about how to plan entries and exits in large cap options? Plan entries and exits. Um, I just did a stream on this actually, um, where I go over my process. Um, what I start with. This is kind of a, this. I don't want to make this too long of an answer, but. I start with something called ATR. So the ATR of a stock, I will check. It's an indicator that, you know, if you're, it shows you the previous data from the previous 14 candles, um, and it shows you the average price, you know, the average move it, movement within those 14 candles. Why I use the ATR is, say I'm making a list the night before, I will use the daily chart using the ATR in the daily if you remember, we were showing four, the previous 14 candles on the daily. That's the previous 14 days. That ATR is going to tell me when I hover over each candle, it's going to tell me how much on average that stock has moved in the last 14 days. Um, say I'm using, say I'm charting QQQ. If, I, if I'm hovering over the candles, it's going to have moved around 9, 10 bucks, you know? Yeah. So when I'm making my key levels... I'm either one looking for how close to a low from yesterday, like from the week 
am I? If I'm like 30 cents from the low of the week, that's my trigger. Same for, you know, am I 30 cents below the high of the week? That'll be a trigger. Um, I'm looking for psych levels. Um, but the most important thing I'm using, honestly, are supply and demand levels. Um, and that brings us back to the ATR I like to use supply and demand levels that are about an eighth or a tenth of what the ATR is. So again, say I'm looking at the Qs. If the if the ATR of QQQ is about ten bucks, I'm looking for like a dollar zone, a dollar twenty-five cent zone, you know. And it's different. If I'm looking at DraftKings, the ATR that's probably like a dollar, a dollar fifty. I yeah. can't have a dollar, a dollar twenty-five cent zone. That's my entire ATR. I need like a 10, 15 cent zone. So those are how I find my levels, supply and demand, how close am I to either? Um, and I'm making sure those zones are kind of, you know, within that ATR or a 10th yeah. or a fraction of it. So those are your entries are the, the demand zones and exits or entries again to the short side. Of yeah, supply and demand zones. Um, for me, um, Key levels, um, basically supply and demand. I won't go over that very much. Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier, but I plan my entries based on the setup I'm in. So if I'm in a, a bull flag, um, I'm going to try to get my entry as close to the bottom of that bull flag as I can. And then my exit will be either when it breaks down and invalidates the pattern or breaks upwards and I can take profit. Um, how I determine that is say I have a, a bull flag on my chart. Um, I would need the candle to close below that bottom, you know, line, um, and then probably retest it and, you know, reject off of it and, or, um, just continue downwards. If, if the next candle opens and it doesn't even have enough strength to retest it and the candle turns red, uh, that's enough confirmation for me. I'll exit. Um, as my 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 loss and then if i'm going to take profit i plan out my my exit on the profit side um, based on just percentage i'll start taking percentage at you know five ten percent and people always laugh at me because i do that but it only takes a few trades to hit my one percent a day if i take you know five ten percent profits on on options because there's a lot of people out there that get 100 percenters 250 500 percenters which are really really great but um usually Usually those are ones that you can hold for, you know, like the last option contract, you know, out of a, out of a good play yourself. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I look at what's in front of me and say it's, you know, a head and shoulders. Um, I watch for that break downwards and sell five, 10%. If it breaks upwards and it breaks that shoulder line, then that would be my exit. Um, it's, it's just whatever the, the trade gives me. So if say I'm playing a, a breakout to the upside over a key level, if it comes back down and breaks below that key level and then confirms below, I have to exit. Um, that's the plan. It's exit when the trade is invalidated. The pattern I was looking for when I entered the trade, if it is invalidated, and also here's another thing that, I've, that I almost forgot to mention. It can be invalidated via volume. Um, say a, you know, what am I, what am I trying to think of here? Say, um, a bear flag. Let's just say a bear flag, but bear flag should have decreasing volume. Say like the last candle on the bear flag is really, really large and it's a stuff candle or it's a doji candle or something that's indicating some indecision that could possibly be going against me. I'll exit based on that too. The, the volume has to line up as the setup matures. 
and the entries um as close to the support as i can get if i'm going long and as close to the resistance as i can get if i'm going short that's all it is don't overcomplicate it get as close to you can if you're if you're going long as close to you can as somewhere where it's you're supposed to bounce via your setup and if it's going short somewhere it's supposed to bounce downward via your setup follow your setup uh, take what it gives you and if it invalidates turn tail and run that's all i can yeah. i can give on that um okay here's a here's a couple fun ones here have either of you ever been impacted by a pump and dump or rug pull? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've told this story before. The first trade I ever took was like some OTC, like bullshit. Um, I was up like $800 and I held and I literally lost like two grand within like two minutes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, (laughs) so yeah, um, I'm trying to think of what else, if I was, I'm sure I was trying to think of like something maybe recent, maybe like I didn't get caught, but I remember I started a small account challenge. I don't remember when this was, whenever CI went off. And I tweeted, Mm. I started like a $50 or $100 account challenge on Twitter, like only Twitter. And the first thing was CEI at like 34 cents. And I remember. (laughs) You got pumped up there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I got caught the good way. Um, Everybody was like, everyone's like, oh, look at it. I was, I was at, I think I was at the grocery store. And everyone's like, oh my god, blah, look at this. I'm like, what is going on? It's like fucking going. I'm like, what is going on? Like, you don't expect that on a 34 cent stock. And then everyone starts saying that. Right after you start the. Literally right after. (laughs) Um, That's fucking nuts. Yeah, I mean, I was caught in Wish as well. You probably remember. um, Mm -hmm. I called Wish in uh, the Discord we were in at like six bucks or something and then that started going that get started getting pumped as well so yeah i um i feel like i can say this now um stan the trading man a while back so i yeah. always make it a point to release my because i mean oh, what was that <laughs> was that your cat yeah he knocks shit off the counter hey get down bud what are we doing there fat boy Get down. He just wants my attention. Um, you see him looking at me I in the back. I can see you in the back. <laughs> yeah, he's just staring at me, knocking shit off. Um, but yeah, stay in the trading man. So I make it a point before I post my TED Talks to not have an entry or have a very small entry because I don't want to be the person who has a bunch of bunch of stock before everyone buys. Mm-hmm. Um, and TED Talks aren't even... I don't even post them anymore because it's not a swing market. When swing market returns, I will, but... It was AVCT, and I had a TED Talk ready to post on it. And this, I think I told everyone the good entry was like between 350 and 375 or something. And I hadn't even gotten any yet. It was like sitting at like 360, and I wanted some in the 350s as my starter. 
So I was getting ready to post it and I told everyone like, I have this awesome Ted talk. It's going to go, which by the way, it went to 14 bucks, like a month later, something like that. It was my biggest, one of my biggest gainers for like that short period of time. But, and then Stan, the trading man pumped it for four days straight into the $4. And I couldn't get an entry for four straight days. Like he, he pumped it and it would go from four bucks like 440 and then it would come back down to four dollars he'd tweet about it again and it would go back up to 450 come back down and then he'd tweet about it again just fucking over and over and over and then uh he was giving out like ten dollar price targets which i mean he actually wasn't wrong a month later you know <laughs> a month later it hit but um but yeah that time it just really pissed me off because i had to delay my ted talk and then just fucking watch it and i just watched it just Cause that was, that was a tiny float. That thing had like, mm-hmm. like float as in like, I could move the price with my own money and I don't even have that much damn money. So I could see shit move, but, um, and I could see shit move when even I would post it in my discord. Like I would post it in my discord and I would see people like buy it. And then all of a sudden it'd be up five cents or 10 cents, but he was on a whole nother level. He'd get it to run 50 cents with a tweet, but yeah, that just really pissed me off. Cause it was very obvious that it was just for no other reason other than you know bro you know how i i thought something was wrong i i remember he was doing like a twitter live stream and i knew something was wrong because he quite literally said yeah i trade off my phone primarily or only off my phone i said dude how yeah how the fuck do you do that how do you only trade off your phone you could do that in the COVID market, just load shit. Yeah, and then... not now. Yeah, but yeah, dude. Now, if you don't have, oh my gosh, now is the fucking. Now is hotkeys, hotkey fucking. You better have your hotkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Like you have to, or else you're getting shit on. Yeah. All right, I got one more question, and then we'll run over to yours. Um, do you look at macroeconomics as a whole, or do you focus more on technicals? That's a funny question. Um, I mean, I do, but I, I'm, I really, you know, am primarily a technical trader. Something I look for with technicals, though, is the micro and macro trend, and I talked about this today in my Discord. Um, I see people going against the, like the macro trend. So like if we're in a downtrend for like three days, you know, things are going to, you're going to be in a downtrend. Then you're going to have a little relief bounce, continue, relief bounce, continue. Those are entry opportunities. You know, the macro, what's the macro? We're in a downtrend. You have this little bounce. Okay. You enter to go short. I see people, you know, you can profit off that micro movement, but the real money is in that macro, that overall direction. Um, I know that's kind of off topic, but I trade technically. I macro events. Eh, I mean, I still pay attention, but yeah, I definitely kind of. I agree. Um, the macro events. Like you can trade them, but they also don't listen to technicals at all, like SPY or QQQ. Um, If there's a macro event, CPI data comes out, the Fed talks or something, then technicals go out the window. So trading 
those macro events is nuts man like you have to be knowledgeable of them and like realize they're going to happen today like i have to know um that fed was today and realize that it's you, probably going to be a choppy around that but other than that i, I pay more attention to technical you so, need, i mean go ahead i was just gonna say like you need to know you don't i shouldn't say the word need but you want to know like fomc today was at 2 p.m i knew that yeah like you want to know because like if it's a if it's like a low volume like today was weird into two o'clock and then we mm. had momentum like you totally can trade around that so you want to know but like i'm still trading technically yeah for real dude i've i don't think i've seen a day where spy like followed the nine ema as much as it did today it just like traded on the 90 EMA. Like it was literally just on the 90 EMA. It'd go above it and then it would go below it. And then it'd go above it and next candle below. And then above and then below. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. It was absolutely nuts. Yeah. It's definition of chop right there. I actually got one more. Someone asked, why is the stock market different under the Biden administration than the Trump administration? Because he's not tweeting about the stock market. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't care that much about it. No, he doesn't. Joe Biden at this point's probably forgot what the stock market is. <laughs> I'm listen, I'm not hating. I you know Biden gets yeah. enough hate as it is. Um at the end of the day, he's still our president. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like you you literally could play around Trump tweeting about the market. So mm-hmm. I think it's just like they are from different parties. They value different things. Trump valued, like he kind of, I feel like gauged his presidency on how well the stock market oh, did. Oh yeah. And Biden is more of like, I want to gauge it based on, you know, people or whatever he's going to gauge it on, like people's enjoying of life or however many people he helps, like that kind of thing. When Trump was more focused on the economy, Biden is more focused on other things, whatever they are. Maybe nothing. <laughs> Maybe At he's focused point, on nothing. <laughs> um, I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they're focused on very different things. So for Trump um, and also, I mean, inflation is just happening. Like it's not Biden's not making that happen like that. That has nothing to do with Biden is not making inflation happen. It's just happening. So, I mean, that's another thing that that Biden, the, the market is just different because there's different external factors and also internal factors. Um, Trump had the COVID, the COVID crash where it came up so well afterwards, the V-shaped recovery. Um, I credit that kind of partially to him, you know, infusing a lot of money back into into businesses and stuff. I don't know if Biden would have handled it that way. He might not have handled it and we might have seen a different type of recovery. Maybe not quite a V-shape. Maybe we'd still be fighting it. I don't know. But I just know that there's a bunch of different factors that happened this year versus last year. I mean, we have a possible war on our hands. That's a crazy, crazy factor. And then just Biden not caring that he's not going to tweet about the stock market is, you know, going to go up so much in the future, which Trump would tweet that like weekly. Um, Like how well it was doing. And oh, dude, of course he did. He probably traded it himself on Weeble. Donnie fucking had, like, Jr. was in. <laughs> He's like, Dad, tweet this. <laughs> <laughs> What's their little one? Is it named like? Is his name like Tudor or something? Or... Oh, the like young young one. Yeah. Fucking something weird. He probably has a million dollar account already because he just yoloed spy options every time. 
Trump oh, was going to tweet. Little 11 year old fucking wants his face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his scalp in Spy Weekly. <laughs> He's like he's spy he's he's scalping zero zero day Dude, you know for a fact. You know how much money like like I mean, I don't even blame them. Like he's not a dumb guy. You know how much mo- he knew he moved the market. Oh, you know how much sure. money they made? I guarantee he had so much money in DWAC before it went whatever. Oh, dude. They I mean millions and millions and millions of dollars. That was fucking absolutely nuts how he could just tweet and then the market would just move oh yeah like when the market if like a day the market was down you knew he was gonna say something yeah you just had to buy the dip and he was just gonna tweet american economy is the best it has ever been and Mm -hmm. then just fucking rip spy would absolutely pull out a shrek dick yep for real dude that's why we had like 20 consecutive green days oh yeah Trumpers just like, how many days do you think I can make it be three in a row? <laughs> <laughs> and That's then little funny. Trump, little Trump was like, Dad, only like ten, and he was like, hold my fucking beer. That's so he funny. Went, he went nuts. All, All right. right, I guess I have some questions. Um, Hit me. Yeah, I guess we should. I mean, I won't take too long. What would you, what would you be doing if you were not trading, career wise? Um. I mean, what I'd probably be doing would be going to grad school. What would you like to, to be doing? What I would like to be doing if I wasn't trading? Dude, I like hands-on work. I would honestly want to be doing like some sort of like construction. Like contracting. Or... Yeah, that kind of stuff. Like I really, I mean, summers, I always did physical labor. I did physical labor up until a couple of years ago too. So I'd probably go back to that, just doing something because yeah. dude, that stuff is so relaxing in my opinion. Like just being tired when you go home and then also like using your body all day and not having to use your mind. So yeah. relaxing. What about you? I don't know because I've said this before, before this, I was doing photography. Um, I got, I got like pretty good, really good with photography and I was enjoying that. But like the things that you make money doing with photography are not the things I enjoyed. Like, weddings senior pictures can you take a picture of my baby yeah like the things you made money doing i absolutely hated i liked you know like going with my friends somewhere and like shooting something cool um like i did lifestyle photography so i'd shoot people like portraits but um if i wasn't doing that i'd probably i don't know like i love i love like talking to people in terms of like you know if I could be like a psychologist without having to go through all the schooling, mm-hmm. like I would totally do that. Like I love, I don't know. I just love like talking to people about like their problems and like, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. I've always been good with that. So I think yeah. that's what I'd be doing. I, you know, something to help people. I'd probably be on a similar path. Yeah. Um, the, the next question I have, if we, if you could live anywhere, where would you live? Oh, man. I thought about this a lot lately, actually, because I'm getting to a point where I can move anywhere I want and just fucking live there. But, I mean, I'm probably going to stay in Iowa. Um, we got family here. But if I could move anywhere, man, if there were no strings attached, like my girlfriend didn't have a say or anything, dude, I would move to, like, Montana and live oh, fucking bro, off it's... the grid, bro. Have you ever been there? Yep. Oh my god. I love so the nice. western states, man. The mountains and shit. I would probably move 
like somewhere like a borderline mountain town and borderline not mountains mm -hmm. and then just like not see people for like three days straight and yeah. just like chop wood in my backyard just like imagine the most like lumberjack lifestyle of all time and i probably just fucking do that if i could live anywhere this is you might think it's super super corny um if i could live anywhere it'd probably be iowa you'd live in iowa no <laughs> uh no <laughs> um i would live in tennessee i would live in so my mom used to live there um and i printed the pit like she moved now she lives in mississippi but i printed the the house she used to live in and i have it um because like my goal is to buy that house like i want to buy the house she used to live in it's not for sale now unfortunately but like um, she lived outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and dude, it was beautiful, like on top of this huge mountain. That's gorgeous. So yeah, if I could live, and it was right next to like, um, like you could go, like she, we'd used to go walk her dogs and like you'd walk down and it'd be like where all the Tennessee Titan players live. Oh shit. Like man. huge ass houses. Yeah. Um, that's sick. But yeah, that's probably where, or Wyoming. Wyoming is... You see Derrick Henry going for jogs? Literally, yeah. Breaking the <laughs> fucking pavement as he runs. <laughs> he stiff arms the dog. <laughs> He's like, get the... <laughs> <laughs> that thing would go flying, dude. Imagine. No pit bulls allowed. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's um, crazy. Um, a stock-related question. How do we choose stocks to trade? Um... Depends your trading style. If you're doing options, um, I would find ones that have very, very liquid options um, that are in your price range. And then literally just learn the price action of it. Learn if it um, respects EMAs. If it doesn't, learn that. If it respects supply and demand, learn that. Um, sit there and watch it. Paper trade it. Um, by paper trading it, you can literally just write it down in a notebook. Like write down, I see like this, like just if you see uh, 30 cents on one of its contracts, write it down, 30 cents is what I would buy at. And also write down the bid, don't write, or write down the ask, don't write down the bid, um, because that's probably what you're gonna get filled at likely. Write down the, the ask and then, you know, watch the bid. And then when you can sell for a profit, sell. And then if you can't, you, you gotta sell for a loss, sell for the loss on your paper yeah. and then write why it happened. Just get good at it. Uh, if you're looking for swing trades, um, scanners, scanners are your friend. I have a bunch of education out on scanners. Uh, if you're looking for day trades in the common world, um, probably penny stock gappers look at the top 10 movers from pre-markets. Usually they have news and then you know, look for the setups that you know, look for, you know, a, a bull flag or possibly, uh, you know, a pennant, uh, you know, just strength there or bull strength. I mean, um, that, that would be the main three that I would say. Yeah. Um, my answer to that is like, whatever you're comfortable with, like if you have things you're comfortable with trading or like you've traded consistently stick with those and like do not try to watch 10 things a day i watch two or three things a day if that sometimes sometimes i'll watch one thing 
plus the indices. You can't watch 10 things and the indices and try to set alerts and why, and there's no way. Um, so what about, yeah, like Teddy said, like things that are liquid, things you can get in and out of things you're not going to enter and due to the bid and ask, you're immediately going to encounter slippage, which, Mm -hmm. um, if you're not familiar with slippage slippage is when you you know enter something and due to the the spread you're immediately at like a 10 percent loss um that's a problem so you want to make sure the bid and ask are tight things that are liquid um things that have volume consistently every single day things that respect technicals if you're trying to play options on a three dollar stock that's probably not a great idea um so things like that yeah I would agree, 100%. Um, you want me to keep going, or? Yeah, you throw one out there. I got a couple more after you, done. All right, let me look. Um, how, what did, how, what's advice for sizing up? Oh, man. Um, sizing up. You have to be 100% confident before you size up or else you're going to get sweaty at your desk. And what I mean by that is you're going to get really nervous. Um, and I always say if you're really, really nervous, you shouldn't be in that position. Um, so if you are if you think you're ready to size up, then I would probably do half of what you think and see how that goes. Um, but you need to be consistently green before you size up as well. So if I'm trading with a $10,000 account and I trade on average a position size of 500 bucks or even a thousand bucks, and I'm looking to, you know, maybe do a $2,000 position. Then if you think that maybe just do like a 1500 position, see how, see how your, your body reacts to that. And then also it just comes with confidence. If you're consistent for, say you have like eight great green days in a row, um, after you know a choppy you're not ready yet but you're starting to see some of that consistency um give it a little more time you know you want to have you want to have you know um actual time under your belt not just a trend a trend could be you know eight green days in a row 10 green days in a row you know um 10 out of 12 green days in a row that kind of thing um an actual consistency under your belt is months. You have to have uh, consistent months, you know, two, three in a row where you're you're green every single week, or you have, you know, three green months overall in a row. And then you might say, all right, I think I'm ready to size up. And that also comes with money. So if you, if you started with a $10,000 account and you have really, really uh, successful months, then perhaps your account's at, you know, 12,000 bucks or 15,000 bucks. You've, you've uh, grown it a bit and you think you're ready to size up, do half, see how that goes. Um, and then if if it doesn't go well, then, you know, size back down. You don't have to rush this thing. This thing is not, it's not uh, something to be rushed at all because those emotions are stronger than you think. Those emotions that are gonna get to you, whether it's FOMO, whether it's panic selling, um, they're gonna get to you way more if you have $2,000 into it rather than $1,000. So, um, give it time, give yourself time. And when you think you're ready, do half of what you think. And then if it goes well, then size up and try the full. If you think that it goes bad, go back down, give it another couple of weeks, try it again. Like just trial and error because you're not going to know you're ready. There's not going to be a time that says I'm ready to size up. It's going to be, you know, trial and error of, all right, it didn't work this time. Give it a couple more weeks and I'm going to try it again. Um, but once you start to feel those emotions creep in, your trading plan goes out the door. Um, your discipline goes out the door. Um, 
all of it, all of the good patterns that you've established go out the door, out the window um, when you let emotions get the best of you. So yeah, don't let emotions get the best of you. Uh, if they do, size back down. That's all I can say. Yeah, my uh, short answer to that is because, like you said, uh, or covered a lot of great points. Um, I think really when you like feel nothing in terms of like, you know, once you enter something, like you don't feel any type of way, you know, you don't like get antsy, you don't start to sweat, you don't, your heart rate, heart rate doesn't increase. And like anybody that knows or like, has gone through that knows what i'm talking about because like it's just human nature like we're playing with real money so of course when we're new to it it's like if you go to the casino and you bet a hundred dollars on something you're gonna feel some type of way um it's really when you don't feel any emotions you know you've you're you're using a strategy that's like tried and true and you've tested it and you've reviewed it and it's consistent and you know it like the back of your hand, then that's when you size up. I had a friend who sized up a few weeks ago and he even told me he was gonna, I said, hey, listen, like, I just don't know, you know, if you're ready, you've only been trading for X amount of months, you know, um, just because you had the best month you ever had in January, doesn't mean you know it's time yep. and then he came back to me he's like he he tried and the the like you know playing with more money affected him he's like yeah you were right i'm like yeah i mean it's it's really when you don't feel anything like when you when you can enter something and you just feel nothing you're just focused then yeah that's probably when yeah i would say the other thing too is um if you're making money and profits on your um your position and you're making similar profits because your plan is going so well um and it's just like clockwork at that point if you're just at clockwork like if you get to the level um because I, I first noticed this um, probably after covid hit and we started that v-shape recovery because i'd been trading for a year and three no two two years two maybe over two years at that point um I started noticing that happened when the COVID market hit. I knew it was a really, really great market, but when you just start to like make the, you can make the same amount every day and it's just like by 9 a.m. or by 10 a.m., whatever time. And you're just like, all right, my money's done. There it is. Cool. Yep. And you can just go on about your day. After you do that a certain amount of times and it becomes so surgical, you can, you can then begin to think about sizing up because if you're making a hundred bucks a day, um, but you're ready to size up when that when that hundred dollars seems like okay we'll just do it again tomorrow or in the back of your head you're just like yep that was just another day another day of making a hundred bucks or if it's a thousand bucks another day of making a thousand bucks easy and then you don't even think about it again the rest of the day you're just yep. going about your day and you're just like that was that was just normal that's my morning routine is making my thousand bucks then you might be ready to size up and you know make two thousand bucks a day make fifteen hundred bucks a day whatever it is um yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's really when you know, like, when you have a strategy, like, that you know, too. Like, you know, if you're using supply and demand, if you're entering, you know, in demand or going short in supply, you know where you're getting out. Yeah. It's, the, it's there. When you have a strategy that you know your exits and entries, or entries and exits, 
you know, that's that's a big part of it too. I agree. All right, I got a few for us. Um, one stock one, and then I'll do some fun ones to close this out. Uh, do you have any long-term holds, like one to five-year stocks that you're just putting into that IRA and not watching? Um, yeah, I do. Um, SoFi is one of them. Um, PLTR was one of them that I was starting to accumulate. This was, I think, in... When did PLTR, like, shit the bed? It was October it was like a month ago or, or November, was it? It was after, it was during earnings. Um, that's one, um, Apple I have tucked away. I mean, you can't go wrong with something like that. Um, yeah. um, I'm trying to think of some others. I love DraftKings. I know they got a downgrade yesterday or the day before. I love something like a DraftKings. Um, I have some AMTX and Jivo that we both love. Um, yeah, those are the ones off the top of my head that I can yeah. think of. Um, the biggest thing is, I think, diversification for these. I have AMTX. AMTX um, I have the highest conviction on that that I have on anything. Um, I think it's like pretty good price right now, too, but... That's one that I have tucked away that it's going to stay there for a long, long time. Um, I have POW, P-O-W-W, just added that two weeks ago, last week, something like that. Um, POW, I like that it's ammo and guns. Uh, I think America is not in a very, um, oh shit, someone's getting a call. It's not in a very, uh, you know, like civilly stable place. I think there's a lot of civil unrest. So POW. Um, plus ammo is absolutely backed up right now. Like crazy. You can't get anything. Um, I want to add, actually, that's what I just pulled up. I want to add PaySafe, PSFE. Um, I really like PaySafe as a company. I know it was a SPAC. SPACs get bad raps and stuff like that, but I actually think PaySafe, um, is a really, really solid company based on, you know, their partners, all that kind of stuff they have. They have a lot of upside as well. Uh, they're a big company. They they have deals with really, really good companies. They work for Microsoft. They work for all these good companies. Um, so I'd be looking at them down here. They're at three something right now. They they opened their uh, IPO, which is, uh, I mean, not an IPO, but their SPAC acquisition, whatever you want to call it, at 10 bucks. So, I mean, three bucks isn't bad. Um, and then I have a lot of blue chips. I have some Microsoft. Um, I might add some Facebook just for bounce back value. Um, I did have some Tesla. Um, I also, I had some Neo at one point, but I think I sold that. I don't really remember. Um, I have, uh, what is that other one I have? This is how much I look at it. You can tell I don't fucking look at it very often. MNMD. Um, oh no, dude. I have that in the swing account. That one I love though. I yeah. do love MNMD. And then I love Compass. I have two, both of those in the swing account. That, that swing account is almost like a long-term account because I don't actually swing trade it. I just let them sit there. So it's almost a long-term, but in my IRA and actual long-term account, I have those. There's one other large cap I have, but for some reason, I'm absolutely blanking right now. Maybe I'll have to come back with it later. I don't know what it is, but um, I have yeah, one. Yeah, the, the thing I will say about that too is like there are so many what one would think are absolute steals but you have to understand if the market continues and gets really bad in 
Ford. Ford. Oh, Sorry. yeah, yeah. Ford. If the market continues and gets really bad into March and beyond mm-hmm. for the rest of the year, you have to understand the steals, quote unquote, now are mega steals. Like you, so it's hard. Like we're in a weird spot. Do you know if is war gonna happen? That's like that's the thing. Be, there like, could be a war. It's it's yes. Yeah, so many things look, you know, undervalued, quote unquote, or look like they're at a discount because we were in such a euphoric market but like are they you know and if we continue yeah. they're gonna be half the price they are now so there'll be a lot of delistings oh yeah there would be a ton wish yeah, I, mean, I think for real like a lot of those penny stocks like zom some bio stocks medx sndl like they would, they would with be the four billion dollar offering or whatever it is. oh my gosh dude sndl's the with a three billion dollar float <laughs> or I three hate billion that float fucking stock dude but soon that thing is gonna move one cent a day and just barcode all day because it's impossible to fucking move oh i hate that thing all right i got a couple to close this out how come birds do not get electrocuted when they land on the power lines who the hell asked that <laughs> baker trade field because because they're rubber coated <laughs> are they really i think so i'm gonna google this one right i actually don't they know. don't like they don't go crazy until they're split and the wires why are don't exposed birds, oh it's the it's the first google search why do birds not get electrocuted on electric i think wires? it's because they're coated the electric wires i always thought they weren't electric wires um <laughs> The electrical current essentially ignores the bird's presence. A bird's body is not a good conductor of electricity. What the hell? That sounds like the government saying that yeah. so that we don't notice they're charging the birds. <laughs> <laughs> they got to get those batteries charged up somehow. That's funny. <laughs> There's some people on Twitter, um, Fintwit, that would probably be super into that. Bro, the birds, yeah. the birds, they're watching us. We got some conspiracy theorists on there. Um, okay, I got a question for us. That's my last one. I got to go um, read it, though. Okay, this isn't a question. This is a topic I just want to talk to you about. I was thinking about this a couple days ago while I was driving somewhere. Dude, Disney has control of so much more than we think. Think of how many oh, kids yeah. watch Disney movies in like their like formative years. Like we're, we were both psychology majors. We both like learned shit about like those really, really critical years of their life. What are kids doing? They're obsessed with Disney movies and Disney shows. Mm-hmm. They learn so much from Disney movies and Disney shows, bro. Like they learn to be the people that they are from those shows. Disney could literally change fucking generations if they wanted to. That is so crazy. I was like going off about this in a car. I was like literally like, Cause I remember a while back, like Disney came out with like Hannah Montana and stuff and they were kind of mean to each other in there. And like parents were always like, you've been watching too much Hannah Montana. You're being mean. Like they could literally oh, just yeah, like they've, sculpt generations. They've influenced so it. many people, you know, the way they act, the, with the things they like. I can't yeah. get over it. That's, that's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. It's like hypnotism. They're such... That's exactly what it's like. They're such mm-hmm. a big company. They have enough money that they like control the kids' movie market. And so all the kids want to see their movies. And then their movies 
could be dude they could be like secretly having some like fucking control bullshit behind this this is just i might be going down a rabbit hole here too far but <laughs> dude speaking of that you need to have you ever seen euphoria on hbo my girlfriend watched that but she said like i was gonna watch it with her and she was like she started it while i was playing video games one night and oh man i can't watch shows if i'm not in like in line with it like if i didn't watch an episode i can't watch the next episode that my girlfriend is watching if she watches without me i can't watch it. so she started it and got three episodes in and she's like i'm not going back so you can watch it with me so i just chose not to watch it with her but bro you f- fucked up is it good i've i'm at the f- i'm i think i'm four episodes in i've probably seen 400 wieners dude i'm not exaggerating i've I, Where did all these wieners come from? How bro, did they I've never movie? seen a show. The one scene was like a hundred wieners, bro. A hundred? There were. <laughs> I don't a even. Hundred? I don't even know if I should say it. They're like in a locker room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like after it's a football show game. Wiener? Bro, I was. I didn't even know what the show was before I started it. Are they packing and, though? That's the real question. Dude. The one scene, it's this like 400 pound dude with a micro penis. It's like, oh, I don't even know if fuck. I should say this, bro. <laughs> That's so I didn't funny, even know dude. you were allowed to have that many wieners in one show. Especially about high schoolers, right? Yeah, dude. Isn't that the show that Zendaya's in too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that many wieners in one show. Probably only in the fourth episode. You're going to see a lot more wieners. Are there a lot of, like, boobs and stuff, too? Yeah, but the wieners are, like, way... Oh, like, 10 to 1 on the wiener scale. That's fucking crazy. you got to watch I've been, it. I've been watching... I don't know if I'm going to get made fun of for this or not. I don't really care, but Love is Blind on Netflix. That shit is What's crazy, that? dude. So, these people go into this, like... It's like a reality TV show, but it's kind of like not. It's not one of those shitty reality TV shows like Love Island, where it's like drama, drama, drama. Here's something it's, before you continue. A girl yeah. from my hometown was in the last season of Love Island. Oh crap! Which like, one? What's her name? Her name's Jenny. Jenny. Okay, I'm gonna look it up because my girlfriend probably watched with it. with a G. It's G E N N Y. G E N. Your girlfriend, if she's watched it, she'll know who I'm talking about. G-E-N-N-Y. I'm going to look her up just to see if I know. But like how random, dude. I live in bumfuck nowhere. Like how fucking random. Oh, dude. I'm going to see it. Oh! She was the purple hair. What? She had purple hair on the show. I remember her. I actually saw it. No, she didn't have purple hair. Yes, she did. Let me send you a picture in in our Zoom chat. Jenny with a G? Jenny with a G. I saw her. I watched the season. Purple hair. I am colorblind, so I don't know why I'm... I trying swear to dispute I that. This. Oh, it won't send. Paste. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to save the image. Okay, save. <laughs> so your girlfriend will know then? She'll for sure know. Dude, we, I remember we talked about this lady. We, lady, she's she like, like 19. She was causing some issues up in here, dude. She was, she was doing some crazy shit. Okay. Sorry, guys. I got to send this to... Uh, yeah, she's from my hometown. How random. That's so weird, dude. Yeah. Okay. I'm working on it. I promise. But. Oh, my goodness. 
Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Okay, I sent it to you in the in the group oh, chat. Oh yeah, that yeah yeah yeah. That's her, dude. Mm-hmm. She was causing issues because she had like beef with this other girl, or something, and like they like fought, and then your girl got kicked out. Oh, she's not my gone. girl, bro. I... Dude, not your girl. Did you go to high school with her, or was she younger? I don't know. She's nineteen. She was way younger than you. Well, no, she might not be nineteen. I I don't know how old she, she was. A, she said she was an exotic dancer, though. Uh, she's something. You know, I don't really. You got some inside knowledge. Give uh, us the, the deets. I mean, <laughs> there's a story I, in here somewhere. No, I there's more than there's multiple stories. I don't think I can say any of them. But uh, she um, yeah, I don't really have a no comment. But uh, oh, she's yeah, she's um, she's something. Mm-hmm. She's something. What was I saying? I was trying to tell you what Love is Blind is. Yeah. Okay, so it's these, it's not these, so it's not like a crappy reality TV show. It's kind of like well done, but they like go into these, like they go to a house, dudes go to a house and girls go to a house, like two separate houses, but they're like connected mm-hmm. by these pods. And these pods are basically like a room with like a, a screen in the middle. So you can't see through it, but you can talk through it. And they have to talk to these other like guys talk to the girls and they go through like a phase of like 15 minutes where they talk to every single guy and then they choose like their top 10 and then they talk to those guys again and like slowly narrow it down to who they like and it's like a like i think it's probably like a two-week process of them in this house in this house and then they get engaged without ever seeing each other bro it is nuts they get engaged. The dudes no pick out a ring and then they propose through this screen. The girl says yes or no. And then get this. It doesn't stop here. So they send them on a vacation bro, to Mexico. And then they go on this vacation. It's like three or four days, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Usually the vacation goes great. They make them move in together right coming back from the vacation. On their way back from the, va- the vacation, they move in together. So like they don't go back to their house. They move in and then you're about to, it's going to get crazier. A week later, they get married. Why? Legitimately married. Why? They all think, they all think that they're like deeply in love with this person that they met a week ago. A week ago. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. Like they've have, they have two seasons and it was probably one of my favorite shows just because it's so fucking crazy. It's so nuts. Like there was one girl who like he thought she was completely normal going into it. And then it turned out she has like an absolute psycho streak that he did not find until like two days before the wedding. So like she was a completely normal person. And then two days before the wedding, she like randomly starts yelling at him about how he sucks at sex. And then it's like, am I going to get married to this lady? I live with her. Like, do I have to get married to her now? So like they go through all these. Fuck no. Dude, it was it's it's intense and like there's so many like I don't know factors. They make them go straight to Mexico, straight to the apartment, meeting parents, and then getting married. And they have to all make all these decisions. Oh, it's so good, dude. There's you. There's no way I'd ever do that. I don't think I could ever do that at all. Speaking to somebody you can't see, and then no, there's no way. Yeah, and the thing is, is um. <laughs> there was this one guy who went through and bro he was like the worst i hated him because he was 
he would go his his like 15 minute thing was like so have you ever been to a concert and if the girl said yes he'd be like did any guy put you on his shoulders <laughs> she would be like she'd be like yes or like no and then if they said no he'd be like oh so i really like to buy clothes for girls what size do you wear and he would literally be like questioning these chicks about like like grilling them about like oh. trying to figure out ways to like how skinny they are without yeah. and he ended up getting a girl somehow but oh. this season Dude. is is going on right now and the second half starts like it, it okay so they released one half and i watched the first half and they released the second half on Friday, so like two days from now. So this will be already be out by then. But we saw Mexico and we saw everything, and they're about to move in together on Friday. Like all those episodes that released, they're gonna move in together. I don't think any of them are gonna get married. There's like six couples. I don't think any of them are getting married. I there's no. I would never. I mean, no. I don't. There was one good couple the first season, maybe two, because the first season there were like six couples that made it, and like yeah. one or two of them were pretty good. The rest of them were just absolute train wrecks. Really yeah, no bad. thanks, bro. You got you need to watch Euphoria. I will get the because my it's, girlfriend has has the HBO on her her thing. It's like it's shot so well. Oh, like, watch the cinematography is so good. I know. Uh, I saw a spoiler for the end of the season, so I'm, it like almost like made me not want to watch because I saw it. But I'm only on the fourth episode, but. It's good. I'll definitely, I'll definitely give it a shot. Yeah. I walked in a couple times when she was watching. It's awesome sex scenes, and I was like, "Oh this is yeah, pretty risky right here." Holy shit! This is yeah. Game of Thrones level. You've never seen like it's shit you've never seen. Yeah, like, there is some like, straight up doggy action going for like oh, dude, at it, least forty five. That's seconds. like mild, bro. <laughs> that's mild. Trust me. I was like, oh my gosh. This, oh, there's this, a this, wiener. There's a wiener everywhere, <laughs> and then. This set, like I watched like probably the like twenty minutes with her, and like there was the doggy scene that I walked into, and then like right after that there was like someone in a in a closet in a like party or not a closet it was like a bathroom eating some girl out, and then they went back, and some dude was like banging his girlfriend in his dorm room, and it was all within like twenty minutes. Oh, of just, like dude. Extremely fucking bro. like dick and wiener and bro, boobs bro, out. Bro, 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 that's mild. I'm telling you. What? Dude? Wait, if you watch it, there's a scene with this dude who has a micro penis, and it, you know, it's probably probably <laughs> the worst thing I've ever seen, like in yeah, my life. I saw li- micro penis one time in real life. Well, that's. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I shouldn't talk about that on here. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one. I saw one in the high school football locker room, and I was in awe, dude. Yeah, I was in all. That's a real thing, apparently. It but, definitely, uh, dude. So that has to be that guy's real dick in that show. I hope it's prosthetic. Where I would his dick go? Where would it hope go? Hope to God, because it was like, look at your thumbnail and like maybe two thumbnails. Like it's that's that's what I, I remember. The one that I saw looked like this, bro. This was his body, and that was. His <laughs> <leader>. <laughs> Dude, here's the other thing I in hope the that high school not. locker room. I saw a kid. He had a party trick. He put his nut all the way up into his stomach. He he, he could stick his ball sack, like his nuts, <laughs> into his stomach somehow, and it would go up near his like belly button. Uh, I'm not even shitting you. That's, I think, a disorder. 
Yeah. That's funny. I think that's a cue that we need to wrap this one yeah, up. Yeah, I was going to say this one's <laughs> <laughs> this one's <laughs> Young when I met you from the jump Never scared of being honest Where's the fun? And lying to you, baby, I would rather run Than let you down because I knew you were the one You're too good, you see You got me rolling on the ground the way you look at me And I've been trying to take you out just like I do in my dreams Baby girl, no baby girl, let me know 